Today on the Joy in the Word podcast, we pick up in the book of the prophet Ezekiel, and we're in chapter 17. Chapter 17 is an allegory, and it is entitled, Two Eagles and a Vine. And it is specifically discussing what's going to happen when Nebuchadnezzar comes and takes over Jerusalem. It says, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, set forth an allegory, and tell the house of Israel a parable. Say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, A great eagle, that's Nebuchadnezzar, and it says, With powerful wings, long feathers, and a full plumage of varied colors came to Lebanon. Taking hold of the top of a cedar, he broke off its topmost shoot, and this is King Jehoiachin. It says he broke it off and carried it away to a land of merchants where he planted it in a city of traders, and that's Babylonia. It says he took some of the seed of your land and put it in fertile soil. He planted it like a willow by abundant water, and it sprouted and became a low, spreading vine. It says its branches turned toward him, but its roots remained under it. And here it's talking about Zedekiah. It says, So it became a vine, and produced branches, and put out leafy boughs. There he's talking about the citizens of Judah being exiled. And then it goes on to say, But there was another great eagle with powerful wings and full plumage. And this is talking about a pharaoh, an Egyptian pharaoh. It says, The vine now sent out its roots towards him, the plot where it was planted and stretched out his branches to him for water. It had been planted in good soil by abundant water so that it would produce branches, bear fruit, and become a splendid vine. And here it was the pharaoh of Egypt that actually offered to help Jerusalem in respond to the Babylonian attack. Picking up in verse 9, it says, Say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Will it thrive? Will it not be uprooted and stripped of its fruit so that it withers? All its new growth will wither. It will not take a strong arm or many people to pull it up by the roots, even if it's transplanted. Will it thrive? Will it not wither completely when the east wind strikes it, wither away in the plot where it grew? And this is the east wind is referring to Nebuchadnezzar overcoming them. Then the word of the Lord came to me, say this to the rebellious house, do you not know what these things mean? Say to them, the king of Babylon went to Jerusalem and carried off her king and her nobles, bringing them back with him to Babylon. Then he took a member of the royal family and made a treaty with him, putting him under oath. He also carried away the leading men of the land so that the kingdom would be brought low, unable to rise again, surviving only by keeping his treaty, but the king rebelled against him, sending his envoys to Egypt to get horses and a large army. Will he succeed? Will he who does such things escape? Will he break the treaty and yet escape? As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, he shall die in Babylon, in the land of the king who put him on the throne, whose oath he despised and whose treaty he broke. Pharaoh, with his mighty army and great horde, will be of no help to him in war. It says he despised the oath only by breaking the covenant. Because he had given his hand in pledge and yet did all these things, he shall not escape. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, As surely as I live, I will bring down on his head my oath that he despised and my covenant that he broke. I will spread my net for him and he will be caught in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon and execute judgment upon him there, because he was unfaithful to me. 
All his fleeing troops will fall by the sword. All the survivors will be scattered to the winds. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. Then picking up in verse 22, the Lord gives us a messianic promise. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will take a shoot from the very top of the cedar and plant it. I will break off a tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, I will plant it. It will produce branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. All the trees of the field will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree and make the low tree grow tall. I dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. Now moving on to chapter 18, it is entitled, The Soul Who Sins Will Die, and it is dealing with a proverb that Jeremiah also dealt with. You will remember about fathers eating sour grapes and the children's teeth being set on edge. It says, The word of the Lord came to me. What do you people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The fathers eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For every living soul belongs to me, the Father as well as the Son. Both alike belong to me. The soul who sins will be the one who dies. So the sons no longer have to pay the consequences of the sins of their fathers. It says, suppose there is a righteous man who does what is just and right. He does not eat at the mountain shrines or look to the idols of the house of Israel. He does not defile his neighbor's wife or lie with a woman during her period. He does not oppress anyone, but returns what he took in pledge for a loan. He does not commit robbery, but gives his food to the hungry and provides clothing for the naked. He does not lend at usury or take excessive interest. He withholds his hand from doing wrong and judges fairly between man and man. He follows my decrees and faithfully keeps my laws. That man is righteous. He will surely live, declares the sovereign Lord. Now suppose he has a violent son who sheds blood or does any of these other things, though the father has done none of them. He eats at the mountain shrines. He defiles his neighbor's wife. He oppresses the poor and needy. He commits robbery. He does not return what he took in pledge. He looks to the idols. He does detestable things. He lends at usury and takes excessive interest. Will such a man live? He will not. Because he has done all these detestable things, he will surely be put to death, and his blood will be on his own head. But suppose this son has a son who sees all the sins of his father committing, and though he sees them, he does not do such things. He does not eat at the mountain shrines or look to the idols of the house of Israel. He does not defile his neighbor's wife. He does not oppress anyone or require a pledge for a loan. He does not commit robbery, but gives his food to the hungry, provides clothing for the naked. He withholds his hand from sin and takes no usury or excessive interest. He keeps my laws and follows my decrees. He will not die for his father's sins. He will surely live. But his father will die for his own sin because he practiced extortion, robbed his brother, and did what was wrong among his people. Yet you ask why? Does the son not share in the guilt of his father? Since the son has done what is just and right and has been careful to keep my decrees, he will surely live. The soul who sins is the one who will die. 
The Son will not share in the guilt of the Father, nor will the Father share in the guilt of the Son. The righteousness of the man will be credited to him, and the wickedness will be charged against him. It goes on to say then, but if a wicked man turns away from his sins that he committed and he keeps my decrees and he does what is just and right, he will surely live and not die. None of the offenses he committed will be remembered against him because of the righteous things he has done. He will live. Do I take pleasure in the death of the wicked? declares the sovereign Lord. Rather, am I not pleased when they turn from their ways and live? But if a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits sins and does the same detestable things that the wicked man has done, will he live? None of the righteous things he has done will be remembered because of the unfaithfulness he is guilty of and because of the sins he committed, he will die. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not just. Hear, O house of Israel, is my way unjust? Is it not your ways that are unjust? If a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits sins, he will die for it. Because of the sin he has committed, he will die. But if a wicked man turns from his wickedness that he has committed and does what is just and right, he will save his life. Because he considers all the offenses he has committed and turned away from them, he will surely live and not die. Yet the house of Israel says the ways of the Lord are not just. Are my ways unjust, O house of Israel? Is it not your ways that are unjust? Therefore, O house of Israel, I will judge you, each one, according to his ways, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent, turn from your offenses, then the sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourselves of all offenses you have committed, and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Sovereign Lord. Repent and live. And that ends chapter 18. We will pick up next time in Ezekiel chapter 19.